Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Lease Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, joined by my co-hosts, Bryson and Daniel. Boys, the Leafs win 3-1 to one against the Minnesota Wild at home. Let's get to you guys first. How are you guys doing today and what was your reaction to last night's big win in Toronto? Um, I'm doing great, Josh. Thank you for asking. And uh, honestly, I thought it was a little bit of a slow start by both teams, like... Uh, they each had, I think, like five shots going into the second period, but uh, we had a big performance from our, our goal scorer, Austin Matthews, which was great to see. Looking like he's doing well. I think he just took the top spot for goals in the league now, which is amazing. And um, yeah, pretty sound game defensively. Can't complain about Mrazek's performance. Uh, I think we might get into a little bit of his positioning a bit in the podcast, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but overall, pretty strong game. Bryson? Yeah, uh, first of all, Josh, thanks for having me on. Dan, thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Uh, I thought yesterday's game, first of all, was definitely much needed. You know, you come into a game against the Minnesota Wild, who are pretty much just as good on paper as the Leafs are, 31-15-3 now as they fall 3-1. to And it was a really good defensive effort, I thought, from the Leafs as well. I thought they were very tight defensively. They were, they were pretty much boxing out Minnesota every, is pretty much in any way they could. And it's something that they've kind of been lacking ever since the COVID break uh, throughout December. Ever since they came back from that break, it hasn't been the same defensively. We know that there's been changes, obviously, on the blue line. Jake Muzzin now is one of them, obviously, who will not be back uh, for the foreseeable future. So it's something that's been an area of struggle with the Leafs, along with the goaltending in general. We know the recent struggles of Jack Campbell. And as a regular listener, I know you guys have been covering that a lot. So I'm sure you guys are well aware of that one. And, you know, yesterday, just to see that kind of effort from them, I thought was very impressive and it was pretty much and I thought it was well needed as well because also from the past couple of games it hasn't been exactly the greatest uh for this team we all know how or we all know what happened last Saturday in St. Louis uh giving up six goals we know what happened against Montreal a couple of days later besides those two goals the Leafs scored it was pretty much pure domination from the start and it was a complete disaster of a performance and um of course coming off another loss to Columbus in overtime it just things haven't been the same and this week especially has been very I think it's been very Leafland has been freaking out um, a lot. And of course, it's, a lot of it is an overreaction. It always is. And teams go through ruts. So it's not really surprising. And it didn't really catch me by too much of a surprise. But I know majority of the fan base felt otherwise. And that's why yesterday's game, I thought, really meant a lot uh, for their defensive effort. And of course, yes, Austin Matthews, Dan, to add on to your point, is now scored 77 goals in his last 100 games. So a, r- a really good effort from him as well. And you don't, and this is what you expect from Austin Matthews and Peter Morazic, who questionably got the start. Not a lot of people were ex- exactly expecting that decision from Sheldon Keefe earlier in the day to name him the starter. He came in and I thought he had a really good performance, b- despite his positioning on one of the pictures that you showed us prior to this, Josh. So I'm sure we will get into that, like Dan said as well. So that pretty much was my takeaways. I mean, right away early on in the game, too, there was a lot of icing calls and it felt like the slowest first period I think I've ever watched in my life. But other than that, again, the Leafs pretty much bared down defensively and all game long. It's just a game defensively that you haven't seen a lot from them since, again, the new year started, which is why it was really refreshing to see as much as it may not have been the most exciting game to watch. They got the job done. They came away with two points 
after um, pretty much the last week has been a struggle for them ever since last Saturday in St. Louis. So it was definitely a much needed win and really well-deserved to add on to that for the last point as well. Yeah. You know, when I previewed this game uh, yesterday, um, you know, these are two teams that are known more for goal scoring than they really are defensively. Uh, Both teams are actually top five in goals per game. Uh, The wild are actually third. The Leafs are fifth. So Going into yesterday, I thought this was going to be a classic kind of 4-3 game. Uh, Being there in attendance, it actually turned out to be quite the opposite. Um, And, you know, Minnesota got Zuccarello back. I thought for sure we were going to see lots of offensive flair as, you know, Kaprizov is so fun to watch and he really goes uh, against Marner's playing ability as well. Both guys so skilled offensively. I thought for sure we're going to see some highlight reel plays. But it was like both teams' game plans really coincided with each other, and they were both having trouble breaking each other down. Breaking each other down, sorry. And um, you know, a lot of people were talking about how Minnesota was kind of boxing it in. They were really trying to play the trap, but you know, both teams weren't on their game 100%. You know, the, the beginning, like you said, Bryson, there was a lot of icings. It wasn't the best play from both sides. It looked like they were both off, uh, both missing a lot of passes, both uh, passing up shooting opportunities on both sides. I remember Leah Bushkin was in the slot and I know he's not known for his offense, but uh, that's an opportunity that you want to see him shoot the puck when he's right there. Uh, But, you know, it was a great game, both sides of the ice. Um, Austin Matthews did step up big time, which is something he's done a lot this year. Uh, That was crucial because if Matthews didn't step up like he did, uh, you know, breaking down this Minnesota team with how this game went, would have been a serious problem. And that just goes to show you that right now, Austin Matthews is clearly playing like one of the best players in the National Hockey League, if not the best. And you talked about the 77 goals over 100 games. That is an insane amount of goal scoring. And, you know, that leads you to believe that this could be the best Maple Leafs player of all time if he keeps up this trajectory. So, you know, that is a take that I've seen all throughout Leafland uh, in the recent weeks. But I think now we are starting to get to the point where that conversation is going to have to come true, especially if he does deliver in the postseason. We all know if that Stanley Cup comes to Toronto, uh, that debate is certainly going to be in his favor. But uh, with that, you guys both hinted at Peter Morazic. And I think it's fair that we give him, you know, I guess the second star of the game, we'll give Matthews the first star with how I spoke about his game in this one. But Morazic was an absolute brick wall for literally 99% of this game. There was one instance where I'll talk about in a second, but, you know, 30 shots against, 29 saves, a .967 save percentage. This was a game that was really refreshing, in my opinion. This was needed. Uh, they paid Morazic, you know, pretty good money with some term in the offseason. Uh, safe to say that he really hasn't lived up to that only because of injury. Uh, you know, limited amount of games, but this is what he was paid for. This is what he was brought in for when he had these kind of games to come in and step up. And I thought he did an awesome job against a very good team, which a lot of people have talked about, you know, his competition has been lighter than uh, what Campbell sees on a nightly basis. But Peter Morazic got the opportunity against a very good hockey team that a lot of people in America think is going to the Stanley Cup final. There's a lot of Minnesota Wild believers out there. Um Rightly so. You know, this is a very good hockey team. Bill Guerin's done a great job with how he's handled the Wilds. But uh, Peter Morazic, the one instance that, you know, you guys both hinted at, it was the Minnesota Wild goal. And, uh, you know, it's tough because 
goalies are going to have, you know, there's going to be that odd time in the game where they're not going to be in the right spot at the right time. And that's usually when the goals go in, but do you guys agree when Morazic, in my opinion, from watching him so far with his start with the Leafs and, you know, watching plenty of games when he was with Carolina and even the Flyers all the way back to Detroit, Morazic is when he's on his game, he's more aggressive. He's at the top of his crease, you know, taking out all angles on shooters, uh, really aggressive in his terms of play style. Sometimes that hurts him a bit. You know, he does go side to side and, uh, you know, maybe go a little too overboard with that. But when he's not feeling his game, he kind of backs up a bit. You know what I mean? Like he plays shallow in his net. And uh, that's something that we've seen, I think, pretty clearly throughout his first, you know, couple games here with the Maple Leafs since coming back from his, you know, long layoff of like the four months if you give them two injuries. Um, you know, look at Monday night against the Montreal Canadiens, right? He was shallow in his crease on a lot of those goals. You know, when Morazic is feeling himself and his confidence, we talk a lot about that with Jack Campbell. I know Daniel always brings up that point, uh, which is very true. When Campbell's locked in, he's a huge difference maker. But I think same goes for Morazic. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, building off your point about Morazic, like it seems like there were two different extremes from when you see see him play against Montreal and when you saw him play against Minnesota. In Montreal, he was overcommitting, sliding way too far out of his net, which is why uh, that Caulfield goal happened to go in. And I'm not sure who got the the one right after that. It was the same thing, but from the other side. Um, and then against Minnesota, how the goal went in is basically too deep in his crease. So, like, he's got to find that happy medium. Even though he did play outstanding against Minnesota, he's got to get into a rhythm where he can play consistently the same way day in, day out. It just seemed like he was trying to find a groove. And obviously playing more deep did happen to work out a little bit better in his favor, but I still think he needs to find that happy medium between the two. Bryson? Of course. Yeah. I mean, Peter Morazic, we all know him all year. He's been up and down with injuries and ever since, or when he has played prior to, I guess, coming back now on a more of a full-time basis, it's been very shaky for him. And obviously the numbers are there to prove it, but ever since he's been back, He's getting there and he really is like you guys were saying, he's pretty much showing signs of him getting into rhythm. And I think honestly, one of the benefits is, of, of this is the schedule uh, shakeup that they had as much as, you know, the games before Christmas obviously got canceled. The games had to be made up for. And I think condensing the schedule has really given the Leafs the chance to explore uh, Peter Morazic and give him more of an opportunity. Obviously Jack Campbell struggling is something that wasn't wanted or wasn't really expected as, as much of a fall off as, as it has been, but that definitely adds on to the, I guess, to the point of Sheldon Keefe of experiencing more with Peter Mrazek as well. So I'm happy with that as well, which is also why I supported him starting um, yesterday, because a lot of people, again, what I was mentioning early on, were kind of surprised with the move. I'm not surprised whatsoever. I mean, you look at their schedule coming up, they're in Detroit Saturday, they're in Washington uh, next Monday, and then they have another game on the, fo the, the following Wednesday with Buffalo Saturday, like the schedule is very condensed. And if you want to look two weeks ahead of that, they have another back, they have a back-to-back -back coming up. So, a lot of these games are still, or the schedule, of course, the bulk of it right now is still condensed. And because of that, it's given the Leafs the opportunity to go to Morazic more, to rely on Morazic more, and give him more of that opportunity because entering the year, this is what we expected. We expected both of them to split at 50-50 between him and Campbell. Unfortunately, due to the injury troubles and Jack Campbell playing on top of, you know, the best we've ever seen him prior to Christmas, 
gave him more opportunity to start more games. And now the fact that we're reverting back to the original plan isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. I mean, you want both guys to be on right now. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But with Peter Mrazek alone, if you want to zero, zero in on him here, um, the past couple of games, you know, it hasn't been the greatest, but he is showing signs. And I think yesterday was definitely a good kind of direction or a good sign for what's to come in the next few days. I mean, the, that's the best you can do is hope for that. But we know that Jack Campbell will be starting Saturday. So that Monday game in Washington, potentially Saturday will definitely determine that. I mean, if Jack Campbell has a good game Saturday, you may go back to him on Monday. Maybe not. It will, we will see. But that Monday game definitely is still up for grabs. And for Jack, um, sorry, for Peter Morazic, um, this is what was really much needed because you know the commitment that the Leafs put into him here. We know the, the struggles on defense. We know the concerns that have been all around. You need, you need the goalies to show up again, and you need Jack Campbell to be on his game. And I think Peter Morazic kind of stepping in on his own here and def, definitely ele elevating his game over the last couple of days is something that was needed for sure. And he definitely looks a lot more comfortable too, may I add. Dan, you were talking about how he's been overcommitting uh, prior to, I guess, the game yesterday. He's been shaky, and, there, and the numbers definitely show that. Uh, yesterday was definitely more like Peter Mrazek when he was on. And, of course, you can blame a lot of that due to injuries and, again, the lack of the rhythm. Now he's healthy. Now he's in a rhythm, or he's getting to the point of being in a rhythm. I'm pretty optimistic to see uh, what comes next from Mrazek as well, going down the line. Yeah, you know, talking about goaltenders kind of leads us. Uh, you kind of left us on a tease there for tomorrow night against the Detroit Red Wings. It is confirmed by Coach Sheldon Keith that Jack Campbell is going to start in that one tomorrow. It is going to be a Hockey Night in Canada game against the Detroit Red Wings, a longtime foe. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they played them a couple weeks ago. It was a tough game uh, for the start. The Leafs came back. They actually won it. Uh, you know, Michael Bunting with his insane performance that night. You know, it's the, like in all credit to the Red Wings, this was a team that nobody really saw as kind of, you know, that maybe wild card race kind of team. Um, but really this year they've really surprised. And a lot of that's due to Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond, two top favorites for rookie of the year with Trevor Zegras. Uh, they're a feisty team. You know, they aren't, known to score offensively they're only ranked 22nd uh the Leafs are ranked fifth so obviously the offense in this one favors the Leafs uh but even defensively like if you look I know a lot of the times if you're great offensively your defense kind of makes up for it and etc but they're 26th ranked defensively the Detroit Red Wings so they're that ninth spot kind of seed in the east right now I don't think they're going to catch Boston I think Boston has too much of a lead but this is a really tough team to play against. Um, they're very physical. They like to be in your face. They like to get in your, you know, they like to get in the kitchen. Um, we've seen what Moritz Sider has done to even the top players. Uh, you know, he has no problem going against the stars, even as a rookie. Um, they have this feistiness to their game. But what I find interesting before I get to the lines here, uh, Dylan Markin is day-to-day -day undisclosed. So it's unknown if he is going to play for sure tomorrow. But Jakob Vrana is a guy that they haven't had all year. He came over in the trade from the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, a highly touted player, uh, very offensive winger, very speedy, um, can definitely score in any given moment of the game. It's not for sure he's playing in this one. I think there's maybe a 50% chance, but they did say he was going to make his return at the end of February. And that's kind of the timeline right now. He is up back at practice. So, that is a name to potentially watch out for in this one. 
uh, before we go into the goaltending talk and uh, we go more in depth on the lines. Dan, is there anybody really in this one that you are looking out for? Well, like you mentioned, these rookies, uh, Raymond and um, Moritz Sider, have having a great year, and it's always fun to see the, the youngsters do really well. Um, so, yeah, definitely have an eye out for those two. Bryson, what about you? Anybody you're looking at on the Detroit Red Wings? I've got my eyes set on Dylan Larkin. I mean, Dylan Larkin all year has been phenomenal for the Red Wings. You know, again, you mentioned at the beginning of the the segment here that he is day-to-day, so we don't know his status for tomorrow. I think, I would say most likely he will be playing. I think uh, he was a ma- it was a maintenance day for him yesterday, which is the reason why he wasn't skating. But again, who knows what's going on with that. But I haven't been impressed with Anthony Manta all year. I mean, he's already pretty much at the 30-goal range. He's at 26 goals now, 54 points. Uh, I've been pretty excited and pretty impressed with what I've seen with him. And of course, this Red Wings team alone, you were talking about how chippy they are and how tough to play or how tough they are to play against. And, you know, you look at them coming into the year, like pretty much again, what you said at the top, nobody was expecting them to be where they were. We know that they are pretty much out of the playoff picture now, three points behind Columbus. But other than that, uh, they're right behind Columbus. I mean, they're 500. And again, you, nobody would have predicted that they're better than a good five teams in the Eastern conference here. And a team that comes to mind is the New York Islanders that they're currently better than. And I know the Islanders are kind of chipping away, but either way, the Red Wings this year under Steve, Steve Eiserman have been phenomenal. I mean, you bring in Nicholas Lindstrom throughout the year as well. You're adding to the personnel. It just seems like that franchise for the first time in a couple of years, because there's been some dark days there is finally on the turnaround. And I mean, rightfully so the prospects they have, the young core that they've built themselves around. And of course, Lucas Raymond playing on the line with Dylan Larkin, along with Philip Zadina. I think that's a good and a solid first line. I mean, I'm really impressed with that. And um, of course you have Tyler Bertuzzi too. I think he's been a good piece for them while they've been playing home games and while they've been playing in the States. Um, He's been pretty much another one who's been, or has had a really solid year offensively as well. Who's currently on that second line. Uh, at right wing so those are my two players I guess I'll focus on more specifically though to your question Dylan Larkin definitely the captain first line center you got to put your attention towards him yeah you know this is a Red Wings offense here that is full of young talent you know you mentioned Zadina and Raymond on that top line Robbie Fabry came over from St. Louis you know he's a very offensive minded player he's playing on the line with Puy Suter who came over from Chicago and Tyler Bertuzzi as you mentioned but that third line of Vladislav Nemesnikov, Michael Rasmussen, and Adam Ernie has kind of been their, I guess, their ideal third line in terms of checking forwards. But they are tough to play against. Uh, Rasmussen is a big, big center, and he's really good at clogging up the middle of the ice. Uh, very hard player to play against. He isn't, you know, torching it up in points on offense. But Nemesnikov is a guy that we've also seen add a bit more of a feisty game to his play this year you know he's dropped the gloves a couple times he's really hard on the forecheck throwing the body around and Adam Ernie we all know the type of player he is uh you know former Tampa Bay Lightning plays the game well strong two-way player very physical and this is a line that I think the Leafs are gonna have a tough time matching up with as we saw in the first game at uh, Little Caesars Arena just a couple weeks ago you know they were out hitting the Leafs this line was very effective in the beginning and uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting matchup. I expect to see a lot of the Tabaras line against them, but uh, I expect Matthews to be a huge difference maker in that because we've seen when Matthews goes against 
you know, a center that has a high pedigree. Matthews, for some reason, always steps up to the plate. And uh, we saw we did against City Crosby uh, last week. So I have no doubts in his game against uh, Michael Rasmussen in this one. But the fourth line, Joe Veleno, Carter Rowney, and Sam Gagne. Two veterans in Rowney and Sam Gagne. But Joe Veleno, former top prospect for the Detroit Red Wings organization. He is a very good offensive player. We know what he's done with Team Canada and the World Juniors, former gold medalist. Um, you know, this is a lineup top to bottom that has weapons everywhere. You're not going to get an easy line. You're not going to get an easy break. Like I said, they're pesky. They're hard to play against. But let's transition from the defense. Danny DeKaiser and Mort Sider are the first pairing, followed behind Mark Stahl and Phil Peronik and Gustav Lindstrom and Nick Letty. And, yes, the bottom pairing is not the most attractive names, but Nick Letty is certainly underrated in terms of his play. We all know what he did with the Islanders in the playoffs last year. He's an absolute warrior. Uh, Mark Stahl and Philip Peronik is a very interesting pairing under the light. You know, Mark Stahl, we saw what he did against the Leafs. He actually had a pretty good game given his age and, you know, uh, his status in the NHL uh, with, you know, this being 2022. But Philip Peronik is a guy that's really interesting, in my opinion. This is a guy that, you know, I kind of I kind of wish the Leafs could target in a way. Obviously not this type of player. I can't see Toronto and Detroit making a trade for Philip Peronik. But, you know, right-handed shot, offensive mind is that perfect number two option uh you know reasonable cap hit this is my ideal guy for the maple leaf somebody like this who can play top four minutes that's under contract and uh you know god forbid knock on wood any injury ever happens more than riley this is a guy that can completely step up onto power play one with absolutely no problem and that kind of builds damon severson in a way and that's why i've linked damon severson to toronto so much because we saw Dougie Hamilton just came back from a 17-game absence and Severson stepped up onto the top power play and was killing it, you know? That's a guy that really added an offensive flair to his game that we haven't seen for a long time, and he was really connecting on that Devils power play. So I think that's a guy, yeah, the contract, you got to make it work and all that, but, you know, that's the type of guy I'm looking for if I'm the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, now let's go to the goaltenders. It's enough about the lineup on the Detroit Red Wings. So expected for Detroit tomorrow night is Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, he's 14, 14, and 5, a 3.01 goals against average, a .907 save percentage, one shutout on the year. Before we get to Jack Campbell, let's talk about Ned. This guy was a stud last year, you know, was in running for rookie of the year. I think he finished third in voting, uh, you know, did so well with Carolina. I thought he was going to be their guy this year. But uh, nope, they took our guy, Freddie Anderson, instead sent Nadalkovic over to Detroit. Yeiserman knows what he's doing, made a fantastic trade here, got himself a young, good goaltender uh, for the current. We all know the prospects they have in the system for the future. But uh, what do you guys think about the 26-year-old Alex Nadalkovic? Dan, let's start with you. Um, yeah, I think he's been fairly consistent this year, been obviously a great goal. I think his uh, season last year was actually a little bit better than this year. As you said, I think he has a 907 uh, save percentage this year, and I think it was 932, if this is correct, last season. So yeah, he's obviously a strong goalie. It's going to be a tough, tough uh, matchup for the Leafs, obviously, especially with uh, Jack Campbell's current situation, with him being a little shaky and... Um, a bit in his own head, it seems like. But, uh, yeah, I think Nadalkovich will be a tough goalie to play against, and I, I really like the way he plays. So, 
Yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Alex and Nadelkovic from what we've seen, obviously, years prior and this year alone. Now, this year hasn't gone as planned for him. I mean, the GAA just over three. But however, going to your point, Dan, I think a lot of it isn't necessarily his fault, More, pretty much more reflecting on you know, the Red Wings defensively alone. I mean, I think they're bottom five in the league in terms of goals against per game. I'm pretty sure they're averaging almost three and a half goals per game. And that's definitely at the bottom of the league. You know, it's so much you can do, or there's, there's only so much you can do on a team that's 500 to pretty much, I guess, bail out your defenseman as much as you do. And there's been times where he has been, he's been very inconsistent. I mean, there's been times where he's, He's looked good and there's been times where he's looked bad. I mean, I think his best month came in November when he had, when he was just, or he had a save percentage of 934 GAA of 224. And actually February has been his worst month. I mean, as much as he's only played three games, definitely a small sample size He's averaging about four goals per game now. And um, just overall, I guess a year for him to forget in a way, as much as he's built, I think, or trying to, you know, in terms of uh, developing his own way, he's still young. I mean, he's only played, I think it's 65 career games. So there's lots of room for him and there's lots of runway, but this Detroit Red Wings team obviously has good firepower offensively. Defensively on the, uh, the other hand is where they need work. And that's where pretty much, I guess the defensive numbers kind of support that in terms of their, the goals against that they allow per game, the shots. I mean, everything they pretty much allow is through the roof in terms of numbers. I mean, there's only one, two, three, there's only about six teams that they're better than in terms of allowing goals per game. So Alex Nadalkovic, as much as the numbers haven't exactly shown that he's been, I guess, not even to an average standard. um, Individually, I'm still a big fan of him. And especially you see what he did last year in Carolina to prove or to further prove my point is how good of a season he had last year going from a team who's leading the metropolitan division to a team now who is still rebuilding as much as they were better than a lot of people were expecting. They still have their areas of need and, you know, they're still in a rebuild and there's no other way to put it. So I'm a fan of Alex Nadalkovich. And um, despite the fact that the team defensively has been giving up a lot of goals and a lot of shots per game, um, it'll be interesting to see how, it turns out tomorrow night because like I was saying earlier on as well, and pretty much what the results have shown is that the Leafs over the past couple of games have been in a lot of high scoring games and it's not, and defensively it's been a disaster all around. So that's why, you know, potentially we see another high scoring game. Josh, you mentioned the last time they played each other when Michael Bunting got a hat trick, it was a seven, four game. It was a very high scoring game. And you wonder if it's going to be a similar outcome tomorrow night, but uh, time will tell. And you have Jack Campbell who, I guess you will further introduce in this, but yeah, I mean, tomorrow night, definitely excited to see uh, those Red Wings players. Yeah, I guess I wasn't, uh, wasn't right about the consistency part. I probably should have done some research on that before I opened my mouth, but you know what, whatever. We all learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. Let's get to Jack Campbell. Now this is going to be a fun topic. Jack Campbell. All right, guys. In his last 10 starts, has a minus 1.28 goal save above expected. This season, only Grubauer of the Seattle Kraken and Caden Primo of the Montreal Canadiens have had a lower 10-game average for goals saved above expected. This Detroit Red Wings team, we know the pieces they have on offense when they're healthy, is very dangerous. It's also, I think, fair to mention that they are a much better Detroit Red Wings team at home than they are away. They're not a beast at home, but they're certainly better than they are when they're on the road, um, you know, as the case for most teams. But are you guys nervous with Jack Campbell? You know, it's a weird situation. You know, if we had this talk before the new year, 
people are going to be saying, or people were saying, uh, give this guy six mil, four year term, or four mil over six years, like just ridiculous numbers. Team um, USA for the Olympics as well. There was a lot yes, of hype for that. Yes, yes, that's a fair mention as well. Uh, like this guy was, you know, with Shesterkin and Vesna talks, like he was having a 940 save percentage, absolute monster start when Morazic was out with injury. Uh, you know, the Eclipse, as I mentioned lately, has derailed immensely. He still got respectable numbers league wide. I do believe he is an above average goaltender. Um, are you guys nervous though with Jack Campbell? tomorrow night and what's to come in the future posa let's start with you on this one i think there is a reasonable level of concern i mean personally as much as i understand sheldon Keefe's decision to start him tomorrow night and to try and use them i guess equally as much as you can down the stretch a part of me does wonder why he's not going back to peter morazic in this situation i mean we know that jack campbell's been off uh, for quite a long time now i mean Everyone, it's really no secret. And I think that Montreal game alone, you counted about three or four goals. Even you can argue, you can make a case for all five, but I guess I'll say and target three specifically where I thought those pucks could have been stopped. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And that's why, you know, you worry a little bit. And the other thing that worries me here is there's no, he's never played this amount of games before. He hasn't been here before. There's no numbers to go back to and rely on. There's no really evidence you have to support the fact that he is going to get out of this i mean i think he will be because like you were saying he's better than what he's been playing and that's a given fact how how good he can be again though is up for debate and you know he's again career or for his career he's never been known to start as much as he has been doing he's been relatively a backup for most of his career and at most or at best cases he's been splitting starts especially back with his days in la near the end and um, now you're seeing it more again right now in terms of the month of February where he's splitting starts uh, with Peter Morazic. So there is a level of concern. I'm not going to, you know, freak out and say his season's over. He's never going to, you know, go back to the way he was or go back to being a solid goaltender because I do think he will rebound. But again, what I wonder is how good will he be again? Because that's pretty much the million dollar question. And the other thing is, when is this, when is he going to snap out of it? Because that's been something that we've been kind of waiting for. I mean, the struggle started in January. It's carried into February. However, he hasn't been as bad as he was in January as he's been this month. So he's trending in the right direction. But overall, it just still hasn't been the same Jack Campbell that we saw for the first three months of the season. So a part of me does wonder why, in this case, you are going back to Jack Campbell on Saturday night. But again, I do support this, uh, the decision. I understand why he's doing it, Sheldon Keefe. I just think that after what Peter Morazic put up a couple of days ago, one of his best games of the year, it's surprising to me that you don't go back to him on Saturday and then reevaluate for Monday's game in Washington. But again, maybe they're trying to give him a better matchup on paper because you look at Washington compared to Detroit. I'm not sure what the, the mindset is there other than I just think that they're trying to split it 50-50 as much as they can. But uh, to your question, or to end it off once again, a little bit, but right now I still have faith and hope uh, for him to rebound in a way and get back to being a solid goaltender. And quite frankly, this team needs him. They need both goalies on point. And um, going down the stretch, heading into the playoffs, you, you can't have this, uh, or you can't have Jack Campbell playing like this leading into the games in April. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. Oh. Sorry. I just wanted to add something. Um 
we'll we'll go with you on this one, Dan. This is my question. And after Dan, we'll send it over to Poza. There's a lot of talk in Leafland on this that they believe Campbell's fatigued. Dan, let's start with you. Do you believe that side? They think, you know, the amount of workload that he got in the beginning kind of is the reason on why we're seeing these struggling performances to describe them. No, no, not at all. I don't think it's, I don't think it has to do with fatigue. I think it's like mainly, mainly mental game. And Campbell's been known to struggle with his mental game. Like one slip up, one bad game, and it's all downhill from there. You've seen his body language the last few games. He's all down. If you asked me before, before the break, yeah, of course I would have won Campbell in the net. But the way his mental state is right now and the way he's been playing, it is going to be a bit shaky. I feel like it's uh, a shaky feeling for us. But um, again, we've seen how good he can be. We've seen how well he's played. And uh, so I, I do have faith that he can turn it around. And because of how much his game relies on a mental game, to your point, Poza, I think his he can snap out of this in one game. If he has one good game, I think that could give him some confidence back. That could We could see the Jack Campbell we have seen before the break like come very quickly it just I just think it has to have he has to have one game where he turns it around plays like the way he does obviously that's a lot to ask based on how he is the how he is playing now but if he does have a game like that then I think we could see a more consistent uh Jack Campbell like we have before yeah definitely most of it is mentally I mean that pretty much goes through any goaltender uh, with their struggles and of course then it starts translating into the mechanics the positioning and then that's when you really have to zero in and kind of reset you see that all over sports and specifically with goaltending that is a major area for sure however part of me does think some of it is fatigue but not a lot of it like most of it is mentally uh, going to dance point so I think most of it is mentally however due to what I said a couple minutes ago the fact that he's never played this amount of games before the body doesn't know how to react to that. And especially for a team who's been up and down with COVID uh, postponements and all of a sudden you look at their schedule, pretty much what we were talking about early on of how condensed it is now. It's very, you know, for somebody who hasn't been down this road before in terms of playing at a high level or in terms of a number, uh, the quantity with the number of games is you don't know how his body's reacted to it. And I could be completely wrong. I'm just kind of guessing at this point, just because, you know, the, the highest amount of games he's played prior to this year came in 2018, 2019, that was 31 games. And other than that, it hasn't been close in his three seasons in between. Um, and then of course this year. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that come into it. And the fact that he hasn't played as much as he has been in his life in terms of, or I, I should say in the NHL, that's why I do wonder, is there some fatigue? And if there is, it's not a lot, like it's not the main reason for the struggles. It is mentally, but I do think part of it, I'd say maybe a good 10 to 15% maximum. It is part of, or it is, it could be fatigue. I'll say it could be because of course, none of us know for sure, but it could be, but again, there's no reason why he can snap out of this. And I do think he's got the opportunity to do so. So I really hope that, um, and I guess any of us really hope that he does snap out of it because this team pretty much, like I said, they need him and they need him to really get going soon because you can imagine too, going down the stretch with the goalie tandem that are both playing at an elite level, that's dangerous. And of course the team who's expected to add at the deadline on the back end specifically, 
that's also a lot better for your team. And that makes you feel a lot more comfortable heading into the playoffs because we know how it's gone before in previous years. We know how Leaf fans like to overreact over little things. A lot of confidence would be given if you see both of these guys playing on a good level, especially adding defensemen as well, heading into the deadline. Yeah. You know, I think you guys both bring up really good points. Um, You know, my area to add on this, the problem I've really had with Jack Campbell, and I've been very vocal on this, you know, doesn't have much of a resume to show that the 940 save percentage was worth, you know, giving him a big deal. But what I've noticed over this downward trend in the new year is I have a tough time kind of saying that he's going to be the goalie lead this Maple Leafs team to a potential Stanley Cup because he's shown the ability to get, in a way, broken, if you know what I mean. Uh, he has a tough time really putting the stake in the ground when Freddie Anderson used to do a really good job with that throughout the early part of his tenure, not the later part, so just to phrase that. But, you know, I go look at the schedule here. The first one that comes to mind, the game against Colorado, in Colorado. You know, yes, he made that crazy save uh, that people said was save of the year, but, you know, he was struggling to really – hold the Colorado offense off the board. They came back. They end up winning that one 5-4 in overtime. Uh, then, you know, we go to the first game against the Devils. He gets pulled early. He gets scored on early. Um, couldn't bounce back. We go to the game a little bit before that against the Rangers in New York at Madison Square Garden. He couldn't put a stake in the ground there. He got torched, uh, you know, five goals. Rangers end up winning that one coming back. Uh, then, you know, you even go as recent to the game against the Flames, right? And Calgary, that was a tough game to watch. He really couldn't be the wall that you need from a Stanley Cup winning team. When we see the Tampa Bay Lightning and Andre Vasilevsky, we know that he is a rock and that even though we got two by him, that third goal is just going to be as hard to get. Where with Campbell, I feel like Dan makes a very good point with his mental game is he's very easy to break down. And a guy across, you know, town in Montreal known as Carey Price this is what he's known for is he is tough to break down yeah you might get your four goals in the first period but in the second period once Montreal starts building up their game and it's a 4-3 game that next goal just becomes as hard to score and that's what I kind of feel like Campbell I don't have that confidence in him to sustain that 940 save percentage over a long stretch you know we even go to the more recent games against St. Louis right the 6-3 loss at home he got scored on early couldn't find his groove, uh, you know, it just wasn't a Jack Campbell game. But if you go to the game against Pittsburgh, for example, where he was an absolute stud in that one, arguably won the game for the Maple Leafs, right? 45 save performance, one goal against against a very good Pittsburgh team. Um, you know, just it just doesn't scream consistency to me. And that's where I have a problem because we saw the game against the Blue Jackets when teams start to, you know, feel their game and start to make a push. I often find that Campbell, if he's not, you know, really there, then he starts to kind of get soft. And then we see the blown leads. And I'm not saying all that is to his fault. You know, the Leafs defense has been a problem. Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin have been a tire fire. Um, You know, I'm not putting blame all on him. I'm just saying as a Stanley Cup winning team, your goaltender is a huge part of that. And I think a lot of the Campbell bias here is because of what a great person he is in the media and you know what a great teammate he is and everything he brings and you know the off ice stuff as well so I know there's a lot of big Campbell fans out there but you can't tell me that uh, Jack Campbell is really giving you the full confidence uh, to be this team's leader to go win a Stanley Cup 
And, you know, on my trade bait, uh, trade target board, I had Marc-Andre Fleury on there. Talked about him yesterday, ranked 29. You know, Fleury's a guy, in my opinion, that he brings those intangibles off the ice, but he's a proven playoff winner. He's reliable. He knows how to shut teams down. In game seven, you know, he's been on Penguins teams that haven't really defended that great. He's played with the Vegas Golden Knights, who also had defensive lapses throughout their first inaugural couple seasons. And now he's on Chicago, where there is absolutely no defense down there in Chicago. There's none. And the guy's still maintaining a 280 uh, goal against average and a 912 save percentage. So that's a guy that I would love to see. Obviously, you know, that's just a dream ad. I'm not saying there's anything close to that. I'm not even entertaining the thought of that being a possibility. Just saying that, you know, Jack Campbell, I often find that I don't see him kind of be that rock after the, you know, after January. You know, we saw in the early part of the season, of course. Uh, but, you know, what do you guys think? Bryson, let's start with you. I'll throw it back at you in a couple minutes. I have a question to end it off. But, yeah, I mean, the concerns are there. Like, you go back to what we were saying. I mean, it's it's no question that what you've seen out of him is not what you saw at the beginning of the year. Like, that doesn't take an expert to tell you that. However, you just don't – You it's uncertain of what's going to happen going down the stretch. I mean, you, you know the resume – you know the start of the year he's had. You know the past couple of months he's had. You know the situation of the goalie tandem. You know the situation defensively. You know pretty much how the team has played defensively since the new year started. So you take that all into consideration, and you still don't have a clear answer. So that's the only thing I, I will say that I do agree with you on that is just because there's still an unclear answer uh, to that, and I think that's pretty much the best way you can put it. So I will throw it back at you after Dan goes. I'll let you think about it for a bit is based on everything you say, of course, it doesn't sound like, um, you know, you're not very comfortable. And I think with him and that right now, I guess, and that that's obviously um, pretty much obvious. So I ask you too, Josh, and I guess even Dan, you can pitch in. Do you start Jack Campbell game one of the playoffs if it started tomorrow? Oh, if it started tomorrow, I, I think like just based on what we've seen from him this whole season as a whole, I think we would have to. And I think if he has a rocky, shaky start, uh, then I guess we would have to try to put in Mrazic for, for the second game of that. But um, just going back to Josh's first question, what exactly was that question? Just had some dogs barking in the background. Uh, basically, like Campbell's ability to remain solid and not get broken, like let's say – they're in a playoff series against the Bruins mm-hmm. and the Leafs are up two nothing in the second period. And then Pasternak scores two goals within a minute and Bergeron decides another one. And then we start to see, you know, a five goal game right there from, you know, the Bruins top line. Do you have confidence in Jack to remain strong through a full 60 as we get closer to the playoffs? I think that's a better way to word it for you. As uh, bad as it sounds like based on what's happening at the moment, I, I don't, I'm not fully confident that we can rely that he won't, will not get broken down just like in game seven of last, uh, the last playoffs against Montreal, that first goal went in on Campbell uh, from the blue line, the Gallagher shot between the legs. And you could see his body language right after that broke down. He was like in tears after the game. Like he's a really emotional guy. And you can see in like the recent Stanley cup champions, all their goalies, like, they don't let these goals get to them. Like we need, we need to rely on Jack Campbell that that is the case that he can take a a bad goal, regroup, reset, get his head back in the game 
and keep playing the way he normally does. If he gets broken down, then like we we can't really rely on him to get us through like the playoffs. Like all think about the, like sixteen wins we need, and if he's getting broken down like midway through these series and and just throughout the playoffs, yeah, that's going to be really tough. So I can't say right now that I'm fully confident that Jack Campbell will not break down on us. And if he does, that is obviously just will not work for the playoffs. All right. To answer your question, Bryson, um, you know, I'm a big believer in you got to work for your opportunities. And what Campbell did to be able to step up to games that I know have probably left a lot of fans' memory, Campbell has had games where he's won it for Toronto. A lot of that was in the beginning. You know, everybody forgets that. It's the, st- it's the life about being a goaltender. You know, I know that from experience. People are only going to remember the goals that you give up. They're not going to remember the saves. And uh, that's a quote that's always stuck with me. And I think it's extremely true. And I'm we're living in it right now in the current with Jack Campbell, right? People are talking about the downtrend and this and that. And we haven't seen him play consistently elite since, you know, the year of 2022 began. But a lot of people forget the fact of what he did at the start of the year. Morazic Mar- uh, missed a lot of time, right? That was unexpected, you know. I'm not cutting Dubas any slack with that. We know Morazic was a cost-effective option given his talent because of his injury concern. And, you know, the Leafs certainly got a taste of that right off the get-go. And Campbell was able to step up and maintain a full starting workload. And, you know, credit to him because if he doesn't do that, then we don't know where this Leafs team is right now. Remember that first week there was a meltdown. People acted like this team was like, oh, and 17, you would think that like, all heck was breaking loose. It was, it was, it was awful. And I remember the game against Carolina, we had hot takes Jersey thrown on the ice, people saying trade Marner. It was like anarchy here in Leafland, but then Campbell arose really went on a tear 940 save percentage played like a Vesna clear cut goaltender along with Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, UC Saros, and an honorable mention to Tristan Jari, but goaltenders have their ups and downs. And this reminds me of, you know, a lot of Freddie Anderson in a way we saw what Freddie did in early years here in Toronto. And then he kind of had that tough stretch of games. And, you know, the Leaf Nation here likes to turn on their goaltenders very quickly. And, you know, it's fair. It's the position that's easiest to blame and all that. But what Campbell did at the start of the year, I think I got to honor him in that, meaning I got to give him game number one. Would the leash be short? I wouldn't say it'd be as short as I'd give it as Dan did, but, you know, obviously I have a very good goaltender, Mrazic, sitting on my bench. I'm not going to say that, you know, pulling him would be out of the ordinary, but I would give Campbell his chance in the playoffs only because he was the goalie in net last year against Montreal in game seven. We saw how that impacted him personally after the game. He was heartbroken. And I think this year, you know, everyone was like, this This performance is really out of, out of nowhere, right? Former first-round pick, he's 31 now, and he really just blew up. Like, he was having a crazy campaign out of nowhere. I think a lot of that was driven through the pain that he went through last year and how much he personally loves this team and he loves the guys that he plays with. So, you know, I got to give him game number one just because he's earned that opportunity. And as much as I am a fan of Morazic. Like, I'm okay with them going to Morazic on Monday night because, you know, he has played in the Metropolitan for a long time with the Flyers and the Capitals. 
So, you know, I'm starting off the Capitals, uh, the Hurricanes, but he's going to be playing the Capitals. He's played them a lot in his career. Uh, you know, he's even got a playoff series against them. So uh, he's certainly familiar with the best goal scorer of all time, Alex Ovechkin. So I'm comfortable with that matchup. But, you know, if game one started tonight and it's, you know, Leafs versus Lightning or Leafs versus Panthers, I have to give Campbell that opportunity because he's earned it. And yes, the recent stretch is ugly, but one thing about Campbell is, like Dan said, he has the ability to just turn it on at any given night. Like, if you told me he was going to come out and make 45 saves against the Penguins, I wouldn't have believed you, but he did. And that, that just proves to me that, you know, Campbell is going to be my workhorse until we see Mrazek either put up nine, a 950 save percentage or some elite crazy number and it just gets too hot to take him out of the goal. But I just can't see Mrazek just blowing up the race here now down the stretch. So to answer your opposing question after all that, yes, I would give Campbell. But do not think that I'm not looking at my bench knowing that I have a $3.8 million Mrazek staring me down looking to get into the action. So that's that's that. But uh, as we wrap up this episode, let's go to our last topic. Won't be very long, but that is Nick Robertson confirmed making his season debut tomorrow night for the Maple Leafs in Detroit. Uh, there's a bug going around the team. We know Tavares, Engvall, Mikheyev, and Travis Dermott were not at practice this morning. Um, Sheldon Keith did say it's a bit of a stomach issue, but it is not COVID-related, which is positive. So uh, who knows? I expect to see some of the players back tomorrow night, but maybe not Engvall. Uh, or Mikheyev, one of those two, as Robertson has stepped in. Right now, it's in Mikheyev's role. I mean, uh, sorry, Engvall's role on the fourth line with Spezza and Wayne. Uh, what do you guys think about Nick Robertson? Dan, let's start with you. Um, Nick Robertson, he's a, a fun kid to watch. He uh, lit it up in the OHL. He had a great, great final season with them in 2019-2020. It's like 86 points in 46 games. He's been doing pretty well in the uh, the minors this year so far with his uh, nine games, eight points, uh, almost a point per game player. He's still yet to have his first NHL goal, but I'm excited to see him play uh, play for the Leafs this upcoming game. Hopefully he can get it the next one. Yeah, Nick Robertson, I mean, it's been a tough year for him again. You know, we he was in the obviously playing in the preseason, didn't make the team. Uh, I think it was broke broke his leg early on, so he just recently did come back. And Dan, you lift you listed off his numbers pretty much, and those are all pretty much points that he's put up since coming back. And I think he's been very good since coming back, obviously. And he gets that opportunity. And one of the benefits, as much as you hate to see an injury happen, one of the benefits of Jake Muzzin going to the LTIR, it creates the opportunity for the Leafs to look internally look down in the minors and pretty much give other people opportunities people that you haven't seen this year nick robertson is one of them and because uh the Leafs pretty much have relief of i think it's 5.6 million right now based off the ltir that allows them to bring up nick robertson bring up other players look externally now maybe add more at the deadline you guys i'm sure have spoken a lot about that josh you pretty much put out a trade bait board, uh, a trade bait list of almost a hundred players, or it was 50 either way, a handful of options remain now for the Leafs that open up the possibility of doing this. And again, looking internally, Nick Robertson, somebody who's always pretty much been the odd man out because of the depth chart on the Leafs and because of the cap space, he finally gets his opportunity. And um, for somebody who hasn't broken through at the NHL level yet, 
here he is with another opportunity and he's got a lot of games to go. I'm not sure how long he'll be up here for. It seems like that'll be up to him really at right now. And um, you hope that he produces. I mean, one, one on, you've seen highlights of him. You've seen the numbers in the AHL. You've seen what he's done in junior, like Dan mentioned. Uh, he'd be a pretty good asset for this team if he can get going very quickly, but that's a lot to ask for for somebody with not a lot of NHL experience to kind of bring it back down to earth a little bit. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, flexibility allows them to do this. And I'm glad uh, we're getting a shot to see Nick Robertson this year. I just want to add one more thing. Also a soft spot for the guy because he is a fellow North York Ranger. Four games played in the OJHL with three points. So just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yes, Nick Robertson. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm super excited to see him make his Maple Leafs debut this year. Uh, you know, younger guy, very offensive. He was kind of the guy that I thought would maintain that role of Kerfoot this year as that second line left winger. Obviously, Kerfoot brings a lot more to the table in terms of the defensive game. But uh, this is interesting to me as we see Robertson in the lineup in this time period. You know, Bryson brought up trades and all that stuff. Um, you know, that's my favorite topic in the world to talk about. So I have to relate it to that uh Robertson calling him up now giving him a shot do you think that this could potentially be other NHL GM saying you know Kyle Dubas this guy's been a wild card he's been the number one prospect in the organization for a long time since that Columbus series this year that took a massive turn as now people look at guys like Matthew Nyes and Toki Niemla those guys are untouchables this year as Elliot Friedman has confirmed he also mentioned that the Leafs don't want to part with their first round pick he said top prospect so I guess Robertson is kind of included in that still but I are you guys like kind of wondering like what this timing like for me I, I look at this and I'm like you know you're giving him the shot now this is a Leafs team that has pretty much their offense figured out why would you start the controversy so early and yes there's the point that you know we're getting close to the deadline now about 30 days away do you want to see what you got out of Robertson internally as an option maybe instead of going out and trading for a guy like a Cali Yarn Croak or a Philippe Forsberg or, you know, some big offensive weapon, or is this just, you know, an internal ad that you think can do that perfectly fine and maintain your system here? Uh, Dan, let's start with you. Do you think that this has any relativeness to trade talks and all that stuff? Cause you've got to think that a GM out there definitely wants to see Robertson and some NHL action because, you know, his time period and career projection, he is supposed to be in the NHL right now. And the way he handled that series against Columbus in the play-in, yes, it was a plan, long, long, long stand of no hockey. But, you know, this was a guy that a lot of people had high hopes for, and we really haven't gotten anything like that. So, Dan, do you think that any of this is revolved around a trade of some sorts? I'm not going to lie. I, uh, it didn't cross my mind until you mentioned it, but it is uh, maybe a little bit too close to the deadline for it to be just a coincidence. So there, there is potential that maybe they're trying to uh, use or see what he's got to maybe brew up a trade. But also, I would like to see what he does for the team. And if he does well, I would like him to obviously stay. And also, I'm going to correct myself. He had a goal, actually, in that Columbus series now that I'm remembering it. So that would not – so he doesn't – or he is not still waiting to get his first NHL goal. But, yeah, um, again – I hopefully if he does well, hopefully we can keep him in the organization, even though we do have a strong set of forwards right now, maybe there is a spot we can fill him in or uh, 
maybe look to his trade as someone else that's already in the lineup if he does perform better than we are expecting. But um, this might have something to do with the trade, as you mentioned before. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much anywhere close to deadline days and pretty much it's the time of the year where everyone speculates on pretty much everything. And that's just the nature of the business. But I think the fact that he is up now is a little bit of a coincidence. And I do think there is some there is some things there in terms of a potential trade. Is this a potential audition? Is this a potential experiment where other teams are going to be able to come in and watch him? I mean, are the Leafs looking to trade Nick Robertson? Personally, if I was Kyle Dubas, uh, he's not an untouchable for me. I think all options are on the table. I'm not saying they're shopping him. Of course, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but what I'm saying is I think depending on the route they go, he's definitely not untouchable uh, compared to the other guys you mentioned, Josh, which is rightfully so because we all know that Kyle Dubas has been burned pretty much every year at the deadline trading for rentals. I think the one thing that he wanted to change this year was not attaching that first round pick like he does every single year. And when we got Ilya Labushkin, uh, you gave up a second or a third round pick. I think that's still undecided. Arizona gets to choose between the two. The Leafs still have that first round pick. So it feels like if they are going to pull something off, uh, with that first round pick, it's likely to be it's likely to get a guy with term. I mean, it's not necessarily out of the question. And I think if you have to attach somebody like Nick Robertson, I don't know if you want to attach both of them in one trade. It all depends on what Kyle Dubas decides to do. But I do think a part of this is definitely a little uh, part of it is an audition. And of course, I guess the timing, it kind of all comes together so fast. And it definitely is a coincidence knowing that right after Jake Muzzin goes on the LTIR, you bring up Nick Robertson with pretty much, you know, less than a month before the trade deadline, you know, you, you just wonder too, because even if you want to take away the LTIR excuse, if the Leafs really wanted Nick Robertson to be up, and I guess you can go back to the beginning of the year, they would have made room for him to come up. Like it's not necessarily the Leafs were pretty much forced to do anything. And I know the Leafs also this year have had troubles pretty or trouble, pretty much clearing cap room. You know, you look at all the guys they've lost through waivers, the guys that they tried to bring back through waivers. Prime example is Adam Brooks. And there's so many other names. Um, and you, I guess you also look at Ryan Dezingle, who was just acquired too and went off of waivers right away. So you wonder if the Leafs were pretty much holding back a little bit as well and waiting for the opportunity to bring them up without having to lose any of the depth. And um, But going back to Robertson, before I go down a rabbit hole of something not anywhere close to your question, uh, I do think um, a part of it, you know, I do think there's something there and I do think there's something to talk about knowing that the deadline is coming up and him being an untouchable. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that again, all options are open or on the table and it all depends on what Kyle Dubas decides to do. And there's lots of names out there. I mean, Josh, again, going back to your board, pretty much a lot of those defensemen are known to be interested from the Leafs, uh, from the Leafs standpoint. So we'll see what happens with that. And um, you know, you hope that Nick Robertson produces though, as much as, you know, if his, his production will definitely tell his future, regardless if it's with the Leafs or without or somewhere else, you do want him to produce because he's never broken through once again in that opportunity. And he's finally getting that opportunity now at the end of February. Well, the way you ended that talking about the trade board, you know, just before we wrap this episode up and get to our game score predictions. And then that's all from us today. Um, Robertson has a brother in the NHL, plays on the Dallas Stars. Kind of makes my stomach turn because John Klingberg is a guy that has been attached to the Leafs ever since Jeff Merrick first reported of his availability. 
you know, Klingberg is a guy, I love his game. You know, he's been a workhorse for the Dallas Stars. Really got his production cut when they did have Heiskin and step up uh, in terms of offensive freedoms. Um, but Klingberg is still a rock. Right-handed shot. One of the premier defensemen. Arguably defenseman number one at the trade deadline. Um, it just, I feel like maybe this could be a smokescreen with the media and Kyle Dubas with the first round pick. I think he would likely do a first round pick and Robertson and some sort of, you know, little pieces with that to bring in a Klingberg. Uh, you know, Klingberg, it's not my number one option because, you know, he is a Morgan Riley-esque type. He is, you know, that premier top echelon type of caliber player. And um, I just think Kyle's a little bit hesitant because the teams that are favored for him are competitors with the Leafs in terms of playoffs. And that's either going to be the Boston Bruins who are going to be dangerous as ever if they do land John Klingberg to give their power play one unit an elite offensive defenseman. No offense to Charlie McAvoy, but they can get an upgrade there. I haven't been impressed with him getting the power play time this year. Really hasn't shown me that he deserves that. I think Grizzlick is, you know, a better alternative, but who cares about the Boston Bruins and helping them? But then you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is where I find it interesting. This is this now. This might be a theory, and this might be completely crazy, but the Carolina Hurricanes just lost Tony D'Angelo for a month, meaning they don't have a power play one defenseman. John Klingberg has been, you know, that's the top favorite. I'm starting to wonder if they called up Robertson now because, you know, Dallas wants to see, okay, Robertson will listen to Toronto's offer, but I think that Toronto knows now that Carolina is going to want to make that Klingberg trade happen now. Uh, Klingberg, yes, his free agency time period is right around the corner. There's no chance if he wants eight or nine million that the Leafs can even entertain the thought of that. But you got to wonder if the Leafs are maybe saying, okay, we got Matthews for two more years and a half in this window. Do we go for it? We know we have low draft capital. Do we go for the Hail Mary? Because Robertson, you know, not Nick, his brother, Jason, his contract's up at the end of this year. He's having a superb year, one of the f- most fun players to watch in the National Hockey League. Love watching him play. An absolute fantasy stud for those that play fantasy. Um, you know, he's just an incredible player. Definitely could have made a case for rookie of the year last year. Obviously, Kaprizov beat him out, which wasn't very happy, uh, you know, with a lot of the consensus fan base. But Robertson, awesome player, uh, Jason. But, you know, Jason is going to be that next piece to the Dallas Stars future, right? Like, he is going to be one of their building blocks. And I think if they want to have Robertson long-term, and probably talk him into, you know, a more reasonable cap hit if they bring in his brother so the brothers can play together. Because I know that was a big talking step with Seth Jones over in Chicago. And we've seen all the brothers be reunited in the NHL last summer. You know, Colton Dock being drafted high by Chicago. And uh, there's, you know, multiple ones that you can go through. I think that might be weird timing, you know. They just lose D'Angelo yesterday for a month. Now Robertson gets called up. Yeah, tell me it's the sickness and all that. He does have eight points in nine games. I find it really funny timing. I think the Dallas Stars and John Klingberg is certainly a name to watch out for. That's that's all I'm saying. And, you know, we are getting to the end of this episode, so we'll leave it off on a cliffhanger. Uh, to all listening, let us know your thoughts. We love your feedback. But, Dan, let's start with you. Score prediction just quickly before we finish this one. Oh, all right. Okay. I think it's going to be another 
bit more high scoring game. I'm just going to go five, four for the Leafs. All right. Respectable. Bryson, what about you? Uh, this is going to be a tough one because the last time they played again, it was seven, four at the same building. I'll say the Leafs clam down defensively again. However, the Leafs score more goals. I'll say they win 5-2. 5-2. Interesting. I'll take any of those scores. I'm personally going with the, a 4-1 win for your Maple Leafs. So I think Campbell has a good, good performance. But don't get me wrong. Detroit is going to come buzzing. They are going to come buzzing. Little Caesars Arena always gets them amped up, and it is going to be a heck of a battle. That's all from us today, folks. Bryson, thank you for hopping on the show. Dan, thank you. Always. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fun stretch here for the Maple Leafs. That's all from all us folks. Uh, reach out to the socials. If you ever want to get on the show, feel free. We love talking to you guys. We appreciate our listeners. You made it through all this. Congratulations. You are a massive Leaf fan because this is a long, long episode. One of the longer ones we've ever had. So uh, that's all from us. Go Leafs go. And uh, we love your support. Thank you. Go Leafs go. Yeah.